Hello there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Thanks, Morris, with me, Marie, the SLP. Um, this episode is a really fun one because I'm going to be talking all about grad school. Um, a couple weeks ago now, when I first announced I would be coming out with a podcast, a very sweet, aspiring SLP reached out to me on Instagram and asked me to record a podcast all about grad school. So shout out Katie from the old IG. As I started um, thinking about all the things I could tell somebody about grad school um, and all of the challenges and learning that can take place there, I thought, you know, I'm one perspective, I'm one person, and what better way than to reach out to so many of you that have gone through grad programs, and not just one program, but different programs, um, so we could kind of combine all of our perspectives and talk about, you know, all the different things that you get to look forward to when you're entering a grad program, and if you're in a grad program, all the things um, that you can uh, take away from all this learning you're doing, because it really, it's just such a huge time of learning, and it gives you, grad school gives you such a good foundation for continuing to learn throughout life. Um, I also reached out to some of my own grad cohort uh, people and asked for their input as well so I could do this and then get a little blog post together for you guys on this topic. So, you know, as um, I put out a call to action to everybody to help with this one, uh, I got so many awesome responses and some were the same and some were different. Um, all in all, it came around out to about like 10 major points that I want you to take away from what we all have to say. So before I begin, a huge, huge thank you needs to go out to all of you uh, who reached out to me and responded to this call to action, whether it was via Instagram to my grad cohort um, on our Facebook page. Thank you guys so much. Also, I miss you and you're all amazing. Um, so yeah, so let's get started. So point number one, um, and let me just say before I start too, I didn't really put these in any particular order. Like I, there's no ranking. These are just 10 points that kind of uh, came through each of or many of the responses that um, I got. So again, number one, um, a big one, <laughs> enjoy or trust the process, journey or adventure, whatever you want to call it, right? Um Nicole, one of my fellow U of R alumni, she says that graduate school is hard, but it's so rewarding if you're truly doing what you love. It's finally school that is 100% applicable to what you want to do. Um, and, you know, of course, maybe, okay, 95% applicable. Sometimes you're going to come across things you're like, wait, I don't really want to deal with that, you know? Um, and that's okay. The beauty of being uh, or studying speech language pathology is there are so many ways to apply what you learn, um, and not just in the field, but in life. So remember that. <laughs> um, Emily, uh, aka one of my amazing grad school co-clinicians, we worked together with a little boy um, with autism, and we she and I taught each other a lot. She taught me a lot about uh, AAC, um, Argumentative Alternative Communication. <clears throat> and she says that the biggest thing for her was to keep in mind that it is okay if your interests shift. Um, part of trusting the process and enjoying it is trusting that, you know, you can keep an open mind because you might go in and like Emily says, you know, she went in highly set on doing AAC and, um, 
when she went to do a research thesis, it was all about AAC. Side note, she did an amazing research presentation. And because she was my co-clinician, I got to sit in and watch her present. And uh, she inspired me. I remember that day thinking, okay, I want to do this too. Um, And she says that while learning more about everything in the field, she got very excited about doing the NICU work. And um, she had to work to not feel guilty about changing her mind. And oh my gosh, Emily, I agree so much. You can't succumb to tunnel vision. Um, You know, just if you've listened to episode two of this podcast, you know, if I had succumbed to tunnel vision early on in my undergrad, I wouldn't even be a speech language pathologist. Um, I would have been a biologist. Um, And not that there would be anything wrong with that, but I definitely figured out I wasn't enjoying the process of that. Um, And I was at the same time being super open to other things that were presented to me and other opportunities. And it turned me into a scientist of communication disorders. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so you know, You've got to be uh, willing to shift and and trust that. Um, And my whole thing is if you aren't enjoying it, then you have to figure out what you can do to promote the enjoyment um, and decide what really brings you joy. Now, you're going to be in some challenges in grad school. There are some times when tensions get high, the stress levels might get high, and it doesn't feel fun. And not that, you know, we have to, um, you know, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of we've got to find the fun, but I know some things, they just don't seem fun on the outside or on paper or while you're studying for the next exam, right? But if you can, you know, kind of try to stay excited about the next things you're going to be learning or finding out why this, um, what this is going to bring out of you, what strengths, whatever you're going through is going to bring out of you, then you might find some more enjoyment in it than if you're dwelling on how challenging it might be, right? Because there's so much learning and strength that can come out of the challenges. Um, And I'm losing my place, sorry, on my notes. But, um, okay, and then I have a friend from my grad cohort, and I couldn't tell if he was joking or not, so we're going to call him he who must not be named. Um, But he says that grad school only teaches you 50%. The rest is on you, bruh. And that is so, so true. So to the wonderful uh, gentleman from my cohort who uh, jokingly said he didn't want me to name him on here, thank you for that piece of advice because it's so true. And I was actually just doing an IG live with my friend Rachel today and we were talking about how, you know, yeah, you learn a lot in grad school and it does set this really nice foundation and this nice stage of, again, learning. You almost learn how you learn, right, in life. Um, and you, you don't know everything and you leave sometimes like I know I left grad school and yeah, I passed comprehensive exams and the praxis, um, I'd done really well in my internships, but then I got hired and I was like, Ooh, wait, what am I even doing here? Um, and you have to then go in and just start applying it and, um, you know, kind of, uh, staying humble. And we're going to get into that in a little bit too, and feeling confident that, you know, you learned all this stuff. And while it doesn't feel like maybe, um, you know, a hundred percent of it, that's okay. Cause you're going to learn and you're going to apply it as you go. Um, my friend Angelica, uh, she agrees with this and she says that you shouldn't expect to know everything when you finish grad school, because part of our profession is that it's constantly evolving. Um, and we need to always be ready to learn more. 
And, you know, my first year, my CF year, it was overwhelming. It was great. It was great, but um, it was overwhelming. And the thought of even doing, um, you know, going to conferences and completing some CEUs was really hard to wrap my head around because I was just trying to manage a caseload at two different school sites. And um, you don't need, at least when I was, I don't know if they changed the rules, but I didn't need to get CEUs during my first year because I was a CF. And after that, when I went to my very first conference, um, after earning my C's, I was like, uh, I was on cloud nine. I remember sitting in this auditorium with like hundreds of other SLPs like myself, and it felt so cool to be there with all of these um, women and men who had studied what I studied and were doing what I did. And now we're learning together. And um, it was a great conference put on by Kathy Beattie on AAC. I will never forget it. I was so inspired after like that whole six or seven hours of straight learning. Um, and it just, I felt like I was back in grad school and uh, it was just so re-energizing. And so those conferences are so great. And, you, you know, just trust that you're going to have so many opportunities to continue to learn and you're going to find things to specialize in that you really enjoy. And then there's going to be conferences on that. And if there aren't, guess what? You can maybe lead the conference one day. So um, just trust that there's so many ways that this field um, is still growing and you're going to grow with it. Um, another point in this made by my friend Carrie, um, which I think is a really good one to end this little um, number one thing on here, this enjoy the process. Um, she says, comparison is the thief of joy. Now, if we're trying to have joy and or find joy in this process, and comparison is the thief of that, then what do you think I'm going to say next? Um, and this is what Carrie has to say. And I like the way she worded it because it's just so relevant for the time that we're in. Um, but she says some of us might be more apt to search for and what she calls gram worthy therapy spaces and materials. And then some of us are more apt to lean towards the, you know, grab and grow low prep therapy. Um, and so it's important to remember when you're doing the things you're doing, even in grad school, just use other people's strengths to your advantage. Um, don't feel like you're doing things the wrong way because that's going to interrupt your flow. It's going to interrupt the the, all the joy that you can get out of this situation. Just trust that, you know, yes, like she just used a cricket and laminator and put together this amazing communication board and you're over here cutting out, uh, you know, wheat thin boxes to create your communication board. Um, it's okay. I will tell you guys, and if you found me through Instagram, um, I'm so glad I have you on, you know, in my community on Instagram. Um, you know, I might have this fun um, put together Instagram feed. That's just something I like to do. And, you know, that's where I can express kind of my photo photography um, interests and my editing and, you know, kind of put together like a little puzzle on there, right? But I like to share pieces of my life on there and they're not always perfect. And while on Instagram, it looks like I, you know, super well organized and put together. Um, that grid is one tenth of the depiction of what's really going on, especially in the, you know, pre-therapy session clinician side of me. Um, I'm a grab and go low prep therapy girl. Like I just like, especially like I have a child I see in his house for a home hospital situation and I'm 
you know, two seconds before I have to leave my school site grabbing, you know, my Big Mac and a couple cause and effect toys and, oh shoot, I need a story to read to him today. And uh, I guess it's going to be, uh, well, it's it's going to be Sam wants more again because, you know, repetition, right? I mean, that's just where my brain is and it all comes together and it all works beautifully, but um, I'm definitely like learning that it's okay to be that low prep material girl and <laughs> that sounds funny. Um, and, uh, you know, enjoying the chaos and kind of the imperfections of my therapy has really pushed me and just caused me to find joy. Um, okay, so we're going to go on to number two. Can you believe that was all number one? I know, I can't believe it either. Um, okay, number two, be open to learning from others and other perspectives. This is another huge one. And Lauren from Instagram says, ask questions. And um, she and myself have a very strong mutual feeling about this one. Lauren says that you shouldn't ever feel bad asking questions in class, in clinic. I will tell you right now from my perspective, in the classroom or, you know, when I'm in IEP meetings even. I mean, yeah, you want to be confident in IEP meetings, but it's okay to tell a parent, you know, I'm gonna have to look into that more. I we don't know everything, friends, and that's okay because it shows that we are humble, um, you know, we're honest, we're trustworthy, and we're going to find out. We have the resources. That's why we have the degree. Um, and so um, Lauren continues to say, you know, the professionals in grad school are there to help you, and they're there to help you more than you know, and I so agree with this. You know, it wasn't until, for me, wasn't until my second semester that I realized how important asking questions was. My first semester of grad school at the University of Redlands, I was like, I'm not, I don't want anybody to think that I don't know what I'm doing. And I want to be, you know, uh, I, I want to be on, like, get straight A's. And But I also want to manage my clinics. And I kind of learned through that, too. Like, it, my clients are what matter. Their outcomes and their progress are what matter. But I'm not going to be able to learn how to best meet their needs if I don't start asking my supervisors and my professors questions. And so when it came to my second semester of grad school, I got really confident in being uh, not confident. <laughs> and um, I learned that no question is dumb. I stopped worrying about what my fellow classmates would think. And in fact, when I started asking questions, it started conversations and I started getting the support from my cohort as well as from my professors. Um, so you find a community when you start asking for the support and the help. It's amazing. Um, and I loved my program and I hope that most programs are like this because our professors forced us to work together. They forced us to ask each other questions and they forced us to see that we each bring a different perspective. Therefore, we can each use each other's strengths to support the other's weaknesses. Um, and isn't that what we do as clinicians anyways? Because, you know, my, my clients or my students, they have strengths in some things even just if we're thinking on a human level, you know, I work with preschoolers and the innocence and the fun that they bring to every session, sometimes I'm super exhausted. And sometimes that strength in them helps my weakness and my exhaustion. And we kind of meet each other in the middle and boom, there's the magical joy. Um, so questions are, they're where it's at. You know, you want to solidify those skills, you'll, you better start asking questions. And I love what my friend Nicole says um, from my cohort. She says, her first time um, working with a client was super scary. 
Um, she prepped a lot. And, you know, if you're in grad school and you're prepping for clinics, I will tell you, and she says this, that takes about a thousand times longer than prep in real life. Um, I don't have time to prep like I did in grad school. It was beautiful in grad school. It did teach me a lot, but I will tell you once you're, once you're working, especially in the school districts, um, that prep time decreases a lot. Um, but Nicole states that, you know, our peers and professors really gave us the perfect balance of encouragement. They pushed, um, they pushed us to become better clinicians and helped me realize, she says, helped me realize it's okay not to be perfect. In fact, why would you be perfect in grad school? That's don't strive for perfection. She says, that's a waste of time. And I do agree. Um, when we look to others and we trust in their support, we can find ways to embrace our imperfections. And, um, if you're striving for perfection, again, you kind of get that tunnel vision and you might miss some really, really great opportunities to learn new ways to do things and to grow. Um, when we're open to asking questions and learning from others, we gain so many new perspectives. I can't stress this enough. And that helps us solidify our thinking. Um, it helps us uh, gain skills and it helps, um, sorry, my leg's asleep. It helps teach us how to keep our minds open because you're gonna need to keep an open mind wherever you go after you graduate. Um, and that's just super important in life too. All right, point number three, my friends is collaboration. And I did collaboration slash relationships with others. This was the overriding theme in everybody's responses. Everybody touched on the fact that we need to be making meaningful relationships and grad school is the perfect place to do it. I will tell you guys, for me, collaboration in grad school and those friendships and just learning how to build meaningful and professional relationships gave me such good foundational skills on how to collaborate in life. And now with my teachers and in my preschool program, we're a full inclusion preschool program and collaboration is a huge, huge part of my job. And so being able to communicate with other adults about the needs of my kids, especially as far as their communication goes, being able to get their input and hear them because they see my students in class more than I do. It's just such a good skill to have. And it makes such a beautiful setting an environment for our students. Um, and, you know, if anything else, I mean, collaboration in grad school sure made our comprehensive exams um, a heck of a lot more fun, I will say. <laughs> so uh, get smart and find friends and peers that you can collaborate with and uh, study for exams with because it's super helpful. My friend Nicole reminds me that, um, you know, it's important to have meaningful relationships because um, she, as she, as she says, she continues looking to her professors and her cohort for advice. Like even now we're all three years post-grad, um, post-graduation. And, uh, we do, we all have this connection through Facebook, through Instagram. We meet up as much as we can throughout the year. Um, you know, and Nicole says that she's lucky enough to work with another speech language pathologist directly on her site, her school site. But so many of us don't have that luxury. Now, I will tell you, um, for me, I also have that luxury, um, but not every SLP in my district does. I just happen to be at a site where there's a transitional kinder through fifth grade SLP as well because we're on an elementary school site. But I'm the preschool SLP, so there's two of us. And it's amazing. And actually, you heard her on uh, an episode previously. That's uh, Miss Jennifer. So if you heard that episode, you know how much we... Um, 
just love working together and how grateful we are that we have each other. Um, but you might not. You might, if you're working um, private practice, you might be working off times, or if you're doing home health, you might not have a group that you're always with. Um, or you're at a school site where you're the SLP and you do collaborate with teachers and, you know, special educator, special education teachers, but maybe not all SLPs. And so it's really good to set up those foundational relationships in grad school because you'll always have people to support you. If you're writing goals, I've done this. If you're writing goals and you're kind of stuck, you know, I'll post on the Facebook group and ask for some help there too, because why not get those perspectives? Um, so it's just, it's really important. I couldn't agree with Nicole more. And then, um, Angelica from our cohort says, you know, just again, don't do it alone. You need a good support system. Um, and who better than the people that are going through the exact same thing you are, right? Um, everybody's going to have that in common. So latch on to each other, ladies and gents. Lauren from Instagram said that it's good to make a good group of friends to help you study, work on group projects, and bounce clinic ideas between um, one another. Yes, that's so awesome. And I, you know, even if you're in two different clinics, um, just getting other perspectives is just, like I said, I can't. Can't stress that one enough. Uh, Shelby reminds us to use what we have in the world today. I like this. So she's talking about social media. Um, you know, when I was in grad school, the whole Instagram thing, while we had it, it wasn't like it is now. I mean, now I have found this amazing, amazing community of speech language pathologists on Instagram. And um, if you are getting ready to start grad school or you are in grad school and you're listening to this, I really encourage you, please you know, find us all on, on Instagram. There's a whole, um, whole crew of us that are just waiting to support you. And Shelby says that following a speech language pathologist on Instagram during her grad school years would have been so helpful. Um, and that she had no idea, like I didn't, that this community existed. And yeah, I, I agree. It would have been helpful. Um, you know, and sometimes it's overwhelming. There's a lot going on. Um, but I definitely recommend, you know, giving that a, giving that a try because, um, it's, it's really been so helpful, especially right now during, you know, the COVID pandemic and, uh, being shut down from our schools for those of us speech pathologists that are used to being around tons of teachers and maybe other speech pathologists all the time. And we're having to kind of reach out and find new communities. And I've definitely um, been so blessed to be a part of the speech language pathologist community on Instagram. So yeah, such a good point. Um, and you know, Shelby also recommends, um, and I'm gonna, she says, find your SLP girl gang. And I definitely, um, find your SLP crew. I'll put that there. Cause there are going to be some, uh, male SLPs shout out to all my, my speech dudes. Um, but they will get you through and you got to take all the opportunities you can get with them. Um, Shelby recommends doing the thesis. Now I didn't have this opportunity, but I just want to throw that out there. She recommends doing the thesis over, um, comprehensive, comprehensive multiple choice exams. I had oral comprehensive exams and I will say as daunting as they were, I really liked them, but I think that's going to have to be a podcast for another day. Cause that could get into some really big, uh, there, there's a lot that goes on with, with the final exams. So I'm definitely going to do maybe an interview version where I talk with some other SLPs about, uh, the different exams we took. Um, but that's what she recommends. <laughs> um, and then Roxana says that, um, having a good group of people together to study and de-stress with 
um, was really helpful. It took a while for her to get hers, but once she did, it was a game changer. So again, just get that community, guys. Okay, number four. Oh my gosh, we're only at number four, but I'm, we're getting through it. Um, this one is really, uh, I wrote, I think I did the, the, yeah, this is mainly from me, guys. So this is about reflecting. Number four, reflect. And I can't stress to you how important reflection is just for me in life. I'm a very reflective person. That's why I'm doing this podcast. Um, and I really found how beneficial it can be as a clinician in grad school. And so why not just recommend that while you're in your program, you take time to reflect however that looks for you. Um, for me, it's journaling. And, um, you know, in grad school, my second semester, I took autism clinic. And this was the clinic that I was the most excited for. This was, you know, autism was one of the areas I really wanted to start studying when I started my grad program, um, probably even an undergrad. And my teacher for autism clinic, um, Mrs. Cindy Weiniger, I'm just going to name drop her because she is uh she is a lot of the reason I am the therapist I am. I just feel like she um, was a huge role model for me and and how she did early intervention and um, speech and language for children with autism. And just, uh, it was just amazing. She gave me my first little taste of uh, the Hannon program. And um, yeah, I just, oh, I could just go on and on. So again, a podcast for another day, but she had us in our clinic do weekly reflections. And now it wasn't, um, cause we also had to do our soap notes, but she actually was a little bit more, uh, interested in our weekly reflections than our soap notes. And, um, these reflections weren't just about our clients. Yeah. We might talk about the activity, but she wanted to know our thought process. Like, why did you choose that activity? Um, and, um, it turned out that these reflections were hardly about the clients, but they seemed to be more about us and how we were feeling we, and growing. And, you know, if we felt we were making progress as clinicians um, and yeah, we were monitoring our clients and how they were meeting their goals in these, but she, I, she really wanted to see that we were being mindful of, of who we were as therapists. And um, I think, you know, it, it was so good to see that, yes, you have to have some mindfulness. You have to be, um, you know, I, I remember writing one where I wasn't having a good week or a good day. And I remember starting it off like I was, this has been a hard week in per my personal life or something, yada, yada. And at the end of the reflection, I was saying how that session turned my mindset around. And, um, you know, it, that just always stuck with me because I think that it, it helps not just our clients, but if we go in and we're open to having to finding the joy again and knowing that we're going to reflect and we're going to come out better for it, um, it ends up being beneficial for our clients. Um, you know, and it, and journaling like this because we were writing these uh, journal entries essentially every week, but it gave me an outlet to distress. It reminded me that there's always room for growth. Um, so even if I was having a particularly bad session or I felt it was like a bad session or something, like I wasn't doing all I could, um, it was always good at the end of the journal to like put in a little positive, like, but next week I'm going to try this and it's going to get better or whatever. Um, and it also gave me permission to be open to, you know, admitting my mistakes to kind of laughing at myself and just growing comfortable with, um, with 
talking about my growth as a human. Um, and then, you know, I also think it helped me learn how to celebrate small milestones. So every time a client smiles and shows enjoyment, it's fantastic. And I would journal about that and it would be just celebration. Uh, even if it was just internally, if it was just me smiling to myself or, but for the most part, I think I had such a great cohort, you know, where we would just like every little thing we get so excited about. It was amazing. Um, so yeah, don't forget to celebrate and remember to reflect on every aha moment you have. Um, mentally pat yourself on the back for applying your newly learned skills. Again, after grad school, you're going to have so many of these moments and you're going to go look back and you're going to remember like, oh, that's what I was doing in that clinic long ago. All right. So number five, allow yourself to be goofy and befriend the ones that will keep you laughing. Um, I like this because I'm a huge goofball. Wasn't always. I had to, again, this is something I learned. Uh, I had to give myself permission to be goofy. But the reason I included this one in here is because, again, my friend will call him he who must not be named. Um, he reminded me of this when he answered my call to action question. Um, because you need to find the ones that, well, yeah, you know, things are serious in our field, but things can also just we can have some fun with some things and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and it's good to find those people in your cohort and it might be you that are supportive, but they're willing to, you know, lend a quick joke every once in a while to lighten the craziness um, and the tension and stress because we have to be able to laugh. Um, and so uh, I think um, we all had a handful of these individuals in my cohort and I am so grateful for that. Um, but if you are this individual, please make sure that, that you let your light shine for everyone. Um, he who must not be named also pointed out that uh, Starbucks will ruin you. Um, he says, but if you have to go to Starbucks, get the green tea matcha latte with soy milk and light ice because it is delicious. Um, and you should just get it every day before work. Okay, so you're welcome. Um, number six, learn to love learning. But not just learn to love learning, learn to love learning from yourself. Um, sorry, I'm adjusting because my foot is really falling asleep. Okay. My friend Angelica says, don't be afraid to make mistakes, which we did talk about a little bit. Don't be afraid to say the wrong answer because chances are you'll be wrong. <laughs> um, but it will end up helping you and the rest of your peers who were maybe too shy to ask the questions. And this kind of goes back with our asking questions, but I wanted to point it out because, um, if you are um, taking chances and you're learning and you might be the only clinician in the room for with your client um, and you know you're like well do I do I want to try this therapy technique um, you know do I want to try getting him to imitate right now oh I don't know just try it just try it because you're gonna learn from yourself in that moment if it if he imitates you great if he doesn't okay Maybe you need to repeat it a few times. I don't know. Maybe you need to get more expressive. Maybe you need to get on his level. Maybe you forgot that. So you're learning from yourself and that's okay. Um, and when you learn to do that, you're going to go into your first job in your CF year and uh, you're going to be doing that a lot more and you're going to be comfortable with it. Um, for me, I had a harder time with this until after grad school. Like I said, I think i didn't start understanding that I could learn from myself and make mistakes until my clinical fellowship and maybe even kind of 
uh, still learning this my first year of working in the preschool setting. Um, because when that, once I was in the preschool setting, um, I didn't really care as much when I made mistakes. I think working with preschoolers and the younger kids, you kind of realize like they, I mean, they'll, they find so much excitement in, in everything. Um, so if you make a mistake, it's a little bit easier for them to get over it. Or, um, like for me, I maybe don't realize I make a mistake until after the therapy session. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of cued him the wrong way. Okay. Well, I'm not going to do that again. Um, and so I just think that now I tend to celebrate my mistakes more because I'm realizing I get way more out of them when I'm okay with it versus when I'm just sitting there getting mad at myself over making a mistake and, you know, cueing a child wrong. I mean, no, I'm not going to sit there and just purposefully cue a child wrong and, you know, um, wreck their speech progress, but, um, it's definitely important to, to just build that confidence in yourself. Um, number seven, find a mindfulness, mindfulness outlet while you're in grad school. Lauren from Instagram says, um, to find something relaxing to do, it's hard and it's stressful, but to find a positive outlet is something good because then you have something to look forward to. Um, some things that I recommend are journaling, yoga, meditation, um, even solo study time to yourself, which, um, you know, yeah, it's important to have friends and, and cohort members to study with at times. But I know sometimes for me, and I even find this now, um, you know, at work, sometimes I need time to process information alone first because it might be too much to get a million other perspectives and it might not be helpful. It might just be overwhelming. Um, and so if you're being mindful of what you need, then do that. Find a place in the library that you really like. I had the best place. I, oh, I could still picture it. I would purposefully go in there in the quiet part of the library um, to study by myself if I ever needed to kind of hide out. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just, you need that time. Um, my friend Carrie reminds us that self-care is very important. She says, get in the habit now <laughs> before the burnout comes. Um, so that way you have coping strategies when you need them. Okay, so um, now if you've been paying attention through this podcast, um, not this particular one, but you know, last couple episodes, you know that I do improv, comedy improv. I highly recommend it, but this is why I do it. Um, and just, you know, a little side note, my family has done improv now. My boyfriend and his family do improv. They actually, him and his family are the ones that got us all into it. But I held out because I was in my last year of grad school when they were all doing this improv thing. And uh, they asked me to start doing it. And I was really nervous about it. But after I graduated, I had no excuse. And I started doing it. And it was amazing and fun. And I kept doing it through the school year of my CF year. And I found that it was such a good outlet for me. Middle of the week, every week, go and be funny and laugh and goof around. And it, it while it's a great outlet um, and it helps me practice some self-care, it also brings me so much more success in as a clinician because, again, I have all those, you know, I don't care if I make mistakes. I'm going to learn from them. And I know I'm supported by other people and all this stuff. So it's just been such a help to have that outlet because it brings in, like, almost a new, new Miss M halfway through the week. Um, 
number, oh, we're on number eight, friends. <laughs> we made it almost. Uh, number eight, trust your creativity. Um, and so, like I said, I, I do comedy improv, um, but I learned back in grad school that I can improvise pretty well. Um, I wasn't the one with the fancy games or activities. Like I didn't know what pop the pig was until my last semester of grad school. And I'm not even joking. People would talk about it. And I was like, okay, what? Um, but, um, yeah, I know that's kind of crazy, huh? Um, but yeah, I just, I, I didn't have all the fancy stuff or I didn't use it. I liked kind of making my own stuff. I liked making my own articulation cards. Um, and I, I still joke that I'm the one with the knockoff, like dupe or DIY versions of the things that my colleagues find on Teachers Pay Teachers or Lakeshore or whatever. Um, but I just, I don't know. I find that keeping it simple is great for what I, how I am as a clinician. Um, as long as you make things fun, and he who must not be named reminds us of this. As long as you make things fun, um, you're solid. Um you know, you don't need the $100 board game. Um, when you can make uh, use of a shiny coin and styrofoam cup um, just as well, which I totally agree. And I will tell you a little side note, if you're in a speech room or a classroom that has a whiteboard, don't go and buy a bunch of board games. You make, make board games on the whiteboard. It is so much more fun for kids to get up out of their chair, go move a magnet in board spaces than um, buying a whiteboard. Okay. Or I mean, buying a board game. That's my two cents on that. Um, but you know, it, it also talks that kind of speaks on trusting in yourself. You have the ability to be creative. Um, and honestly, like, if, especially if you're working with preschoolers, man, yeah, they get excited about Papa Pig, but you know what else they get excited about in my clinic or my speech room? A tennis ball. It's named Mr. Ball, and he gets us a lot further sometimes with our language than Pop the Pig does. So just saying. Um, my friend Carrie also gives a huge piece of advice in saying that you should only buy on Teachers Pay Teachers what you know for sure that you will need. And this, do not fall, friends, when you, like, even in during clinic right now in grad school, if that's where you are before you're going into grad school, know this. You can so easily fall down a Teachers Pay Teachers hole now. I have found so many great resources on Teachers Pay Teachers. I have speech pathologist friends who create resources for Teachers Pay Teachers. I think it's great, but I also think it can be overwhelming and you see a lot of really pretty things on there that then you're like, oh, wait, I bought this five years ago and I don't need it. Um, but the flowers were so cute and it would have matched, you know, my room theme. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but because um, can you tell I've lived that? that story of, oh man. Um, but it's so true. So, you know, when you go on Teachers Pay Teachers, if you know you, what you need, if you're looking for a specific social story or something, great. Um, but buy that one thing and don't, you know, go crazy. It's just like online shopping. I could totally be giving like lifestyle advice right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, Carrie does mention that other people's lesson plans may not always work with your treatment style. Um, so it's always good, you know, to kind of keep that in mind while, you know, Miss uh, M, myself, might, you know, really this visual and this schedule might really work in my speech room that I created for my students. Um, 
it might not be appropriate for you. Your, your students might not like the board make, maker images at all because I don't. Um, anyways, it was probably a little bit confusing, but I just like that Carrie says it's good because you can challenge yourself to find what you need and then be unique and creative um, and just trust that you already have the skills. All right, we're coming up on number nine, time management. This is a quick one because really that's all I have to say is time management, but I have to shout out Shelby because she's the one that reminded me to put this in here because it is so, so important. Um, you know, and she says staying organized is also very important, which yes. And those things kind of go hand in hand because if you're not organized in some fashion, right. Um, then it's going to be hard, harder to manage your time. And, you know, I know for me, I'm big, big on the planner. I like to buy a planner every school year. It's like one of my favorite things to do is to find the right planner. I'm really stuck on, if you know, uh, Paquetto, Poketto, Paquetto, I don't know. It's this online uh, shop that has the cutest planners, but they're sometimes a little bit expensive. So I have to wait for them to go on sale. Um, but she, um, you know, getting organized and, and having something where I could make sure that I was getting all the things I needed to done um, because, you know, I'm the type where I want to support my clients and they're going to come first. But if I spend the two hours prepping for a session when I have an exam that afternoon that I should really be kind of just touching up some of my notes on or whatever. Um, you know, I might not do so well in that exam. Like I didn't do on some of my voice class exams because I had a really important client that semester, you know? Um, and so just keep that in mind, keep yourself organized, manage your time, make sure you're giving yourself enough time to, to be mindful, to get your client's needs met. And then to also be, um, getting your needs met. Um, set your priorities, trust yourself, uh, to do that correctly. That's key. You don't want to get yourself all hyped up because you're, you don't know if you're going to set your priorities, right? Like just trust yourself, just trust, trust your intuition, trust what you know is uh, most important to you in those moments. Um, and, uh, organize yourself accordingly. All right. We're on number 10. We made it. Thank you all so much. Uh, for making it this far with me. This has been such a fun episode to put together. Um, number 10, I love this one. Be humble, but assertive. <clears throat> and like I said, these are all in no particular order, but I kind of like the way it turned out because I think this is a really good one to end on. I mean, we'll start with a comment from he who must not be named. <laughs> I like saying that for some reason. I'm just a huge Harry Potter nerd. Um, but he says that the real world is far more concerned with the financial nature of our profession, um, as opposed to our ability to actually benefit patients. So don't allow that predisposition to overcome you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I think that that's so important because, you know, uh, we, we are trained for, for, such interesting and great things. I mean, we, I think about my job sometimes and I forget cause I, I do love what I do and I love working with my students just because I love being around them, but we're helping individuals communicate or we're helping them, you know, if you're working in the medical setting and working on dysphagia, um, you're working with respiratory therapists and tracheostomies, it doesn't matter. You're helping increase quality of life. That's your goal, right? Um, that communication, I mean, just such foundational things for, uh, 
bringing joy and, and quality of life. And so just remember that at the very end of the day, like that's what we're here to do. And we're trained in such specific and skilled ways. And you have so much, my uh, future or fellow speech language pathologist, you had so much to bring to the table. And um, I'm so grateful to be in this field with you and this community with you and working maybe right alongside you now or one day. Um, so just remember those uh, really good words of advice because we are, we are trained for greatness. <laughs> um, another point that was made was when you do your clinicals and your internships, remember that sometimes it's okay. And I say this, um, I like saying fake it till you make it. I don't mean go in there and pretend that you know everything. I mean, tell yourself you can do it even when there's that voice inside you that's trying to tell you just not to go into your internship that day. I had those days when I was doing my medical internship because that was a really tough one for me. Um, and I would just tell myself, nope, I'm a speech pathologist. I can do this. I got this. Um, I'm not, I don't speak Spanish very well, but uh, I was working with the bilingual SLP and I would just be like, nope, you could speak Spanish, Miss M. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh man, too much fun. Um, but and that's what I mean by that. So yeah, you want to stay humble, but you also want to just keep yourself, keep pumping yourself up. Um, it's okay to feel nervous. And a really great colleague of mine before an IEP meeting yesterday texted me and reminded me of this because she knew I was nervous. And she says, I was just reading something and it said, you know, when you're nervous, it's because you, you know that you don't have all the answers. It's because you're humble. And oh my gosh, she's so, she's so right. And I've always kind of told myself this too, especially before IEP meetings, when I get those little butterflies, because, um, we take this seriously, friends. We take this job of working on communication and uh, quality of life for other individuals very seriously. And we want to learn how to do things appropriately and um, as accurately as we can, right? Because it is a big job. But it's also, again, okay to say, you know, I don't know everything. And I, I will know, I, I will know, not everything, but I will know more. I will learn more and I will get better always. Um, and something that my boyfriend always reminds me of is, you know, it's, it's good not to be the smartest person in the room um, because then you have so much you can learn. Uh, so just, again, with that humility, right? Um, it's a good place to be, you know, when you're stating your decisions or reporting on your client's needs or their present levels of functioning, um, when you're writing goals. Just use all these things to help you. Use your peers to proof things um, and present things like you're the freaking queen or king of the world um, when you get in there, right? I remember being in my clinicals in the medical setting and um, having to present present levels of functioning to the doctors that I'd never seen before, you know, but they're this, this patient's primary doctor or whatever. And I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw up like <laughs> for real. Um, and one of the things my supervisor told me was, Hey, you're the communication queen, man. Like, here you go. Just read it off and, and say it like you mean it, you know? And all right, sure. I did it. But afterwards I was shaking and couldn't eat for a week. Um, and my friend Carrie, and this is a great, great note, be teachable. She says, it may sound obvious, but nobody wants to work with someone who isn't humble. Um, 
Don't be afraid to admit when you don't have the answer because it makes you very approachable. And I kind of touched on this earlier. It makes you very approachable and trustworthy. And I'm trying, I'm not contradicting myself and saying, you know, when you're doing, uh, when you're reporting on things or what, you know, um, talking to doctors or other staff members, talk, saying it like you're the queen, because I'm not trying to make, tell you, you know, don't be approachable. I'm trying to say that in those moments, do that fake it till you make it self-talk. Like, I got this. Um, but be okay with, you know, asking your supervisor or your colleagues questions when you need to. And like I said, in an IEP, I've told parents when they ask me questions, you know, I, I can't tell you all of that right now, but what I can do, I have this really great resource. I'm going to go look at it. And I'm going to send it home in a packet or I'm going to call you and we're going to follow up um, because it does. It makes you trustworthy. And I have um, just, just, I don't know, made so many great connections with the families I work with um, through IEP meetings because I think that you know, I'm open to learning and I'm open to saying, you know, I will find out for you. Um, and I won't sleep until I do. No, just kidding. I sleep. Um, <laughs> but Carrie also reminded me that you may not always have the right answer, but it's far more valuable to know how to find the answer than to always have the right answer. Does that make sense? So, um, having the skill set to, uh, to be resourceful really is what that is. Having those, that skill set is way more valuable because it's going to help you learn, it's going to help you grow, and it's going to help you be a valuable member of a team because when you can all work together to find the answers versus you always trying to have the right one and maybe not always having the right one is something that, um, you know, could get you in a lot of trouble. I don't know. But okay, friends, those are our 10 points. So, um, you know, if you need to listen to this again and take some notes, feel free. Uh, I have a blog post on this as well on thanksmorris.com. So if you'd like to read over this, um, I definitely, uh, I, ha I did the notes for you. How about that? I'm, I'm efficient. Um, but if you have any questions for me, if you have any concerns, if you have any requests of anything you'd like to hear me talk about, or if you want to be on an episode of Thanks Morris. Uh, definitely go find me over at thanksmorris.com. You can go to the um, uh, contact me page and put in your email there and it'll allow you to kind of put in a couple comments or uh, let me know what you're thinking. Um, you can also find the blog post uh, about grad school that uh, is linked on there as well and comment there if you have any questions or requests. Or you can just go on the IG and slide into the old DMs at Thanks Morris and uh, strike up a conversation there. I love meeting new uh, or aspiring speech language pathologists. So I look forward to talking with you soon. And with that note, I have to get to bed because I have to be up for sessions in the morning. So I will say good night, goodbye, and I will be talking to you next time. All right, friends. Thank you so much.